Hi everyone, it's uh, Pastor Ryan here with Grace Church, and uh, and so glad you came to, whether you're in a home church today or in the church building, or even watching online at some other point in the week, uh, so glad you're here. Uh, the question we're working with today is, uh, is Jesus coming back? Is he coming back? Uh, th- that's the question and the title of the message today. You know, uh, the other week I came across a video of an atheist. And this atheist, uh, he gave a long list of reasons as to why people should not believe in God anymore. And uh, I can't remember all the reasons he gave, but one reason he gave, which I found very interesting, he said, you know what, you should stop believing in Jesus because he said he's coming back. It's been 2,000 years. It hasn't happened. Time to move on. And so, um, you know, there might be some people who kind of resonate with that, with that thinking, with that logic. And maybe you kind of feel, maybe like this atheist friend of ours, or maybe just you yourself kind of feel, you know what, yeah, it has been a long time since, uh, G- since Jesus said he was coming back, and he hasn't come, so maybe I should be moving on. Uh, maybe you kind of feel like in your relationship with God, you kind of feel like a kid that's standing outside in the rain, waiting for his father to come, and he's, he's not coming. And so maybe there's someone here who de- who's decided to move on. And you know what, if that's, if that's the only part of the story that you have heard, I have to admit, it's actually a very logical, rational uh, decision to come to, to move on. But I'm so glad you're here. If, if you're one of those people who uh, are, are, are wanting to move on in your, in your walk with God, in, in other words, walk away from God, I'm so glad you're here because I want to actually tell you the other side of the story. There's, there's way more to this story that, to be shared. And so I want to come back and answer that question today. Is Jesus coming back? Because if he is, there's some pretty serious implications. And if he's not, you actually probably should walk away. So, is Jesus coming back? Now, before I even get to that question, and before I even talk about what Jesus said about his return, um, I want to talk about a a, a deeper question that this atheist, I think, was actually getting to. Is Jesus trustworthy? Is he credible? Is he competent? Is he worth putting our trust in, regardless of what he says? So um, one of the things I want to do today, I just want to summarize some of the things that Jesus did and what he said, and, and the events of what he said and did can be found in the Gospels. And the Gospels are a book of, uh, are, are multiple books of uh, a collection of writings from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, people who were very close to Jesus. Some of these guys were, were Jesus' closest disciples who had witnessed everything he said and did. And from these Gospels, we see that Jesus, he, he healed thousands of people of all sorts of diseases and illnesses. There was nothing too difficult for Jesus to heal people of. In fact, the other week, I was reading a passage where Jesus had healed 10 lepers, and he didn't use any uh, special lotions or potions, or he didn't go to uh, crazy doctors. All he said to these lepers was, go show yourself to the priest. And the passage says that on the way, they were healed. Uh, I, I hear stories, I, I read of stories in the Gospels of uh, uh, even a woman who was bleeding for years and years and years, and she went to all the experts, all the best of the best people, who, and they couldn't help her. She had spent so much time and money, and all she had to do, all she had to do was just touch the edge of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. I, I, I read of other stories of a man who was crippled for, for, not, for, for decades, and Jesus heals him. Uh, I, I read of stories of Jesus just touching a blind man on his eyes, and he is healed. The, uh, for, to my knowledge, there's no other person in the history who has that kind of power to heal. 
What else did Jesus do? What else was he known for? One thing that impresses me is that Jesus, he, uh, he, there was a time when he was with his disciples in a boat in, the, in a sea, and they were in the midst of this, <coughs> excuse me, this life-threatening storm. And Jesus stands up, he looks at the wind and the waves, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, hey guys, wind and waves, chill out. And the wind and the waves, they immediately, they calm, they calm down. Uh, nobody in, on the planet has that kind of authority. The Gospels also record Jesus, of all things, walking on water. He, he's, he's walking on water. He's, he's known to feed thousands and thousands of people with just a few uh, loaves of bread and fish. And you know, my grandma, she's awesome. You probably have an awesome grandma too. Uh, grandmas have this special ability to always just make sure they have extra food just in case someone else comes, comes to, the, to the dinner table. But Jesus was not like your grandma, Okay. He just had a few loaves and fish, and he was able to feed thousands upon thousands of people. And then the leftovers of these things, he had, he had more leftover than what he started with. Who does that? Uh, Jesus was also known to raise people from the dead, people who were confirmed, dead, knocked out. Uh, he raises them from the dead. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, w- which person on Twitter or Instagram are you following who has the ability to raise people from the dead? The answer is probably no one. And so Jesus, he has all this this power. He's performing all these miracles. Does he do this for his own benefit? Is he he coming to to take over all the powers that, that be at the time? No, in fact, people want to crown him king, but he ran away from that. And he used his power, rather he put aside his power and his prestige, so to speak. And what did he do? He used that to die for you, to die for me. And so is Jesus, is Jesus trustworthy? Is he credible? Is he competent? For me, the answer is resounding yes. And so for me, whatever Jesus says about anything, because he's trustworthy, competent, and credible, I'm going to believe what he has to say. But you know what? With Jesus, he didn't stay dead. One of the most uh, important, most meaningful things that he did was was that he didn't stay dead. He actually rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And you know what? You might be thinking, okay, did he really rise from the dead? Um, Yes, he did. The fact that I am standing here uh, before you today speaking to you is evidence that actually Jesus rose from the dead. You might be thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Well, uh, I'm a pastor. I work for a church. The church would not exist if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Uh, if you read the Gospels and if you read the early church, um, Jesus' closest disciples and his closest followers went from people who were scared and freaked out of their minds from identifying themselves with Jesus to people who, after seeing the resurrection of Jesus, were bold and were willing to give their lives even to death, um, which many of them uh, unfortunately suffered. And so the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone of of the existence of the church other than Jesus himself is the fact that he rose from the dead. Why am I saying all this? If if there is a man who can walk on water and feed thousands of people and heal anybody of any disease and can cast out thousands of demons, the the demons themselves are even terrified of Jesus. And if he can predict his own death and and if he can rise again, if he can pull it off, I am going to believe absolutely anything that he says about anything. So, when it comes to this whole concept of Jesus coming back, is he coming back? 
let's take a look at what he said. What did he say? And by the way, um, uh, it's important for us to just take a second and realize that Jesus, this, is, this is Jesus speaking in this passage that I'm about to read to you. It's not some other random disciple that had, uh, was kind of depressed that he died and he had nothing else to give. No, he's, 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 he's recording what Jesus said here. And the text that I'm going to first point to today is Matthew 24. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking about himself. Jesus says this, he says, then, and there's a whole passage you can read here for yourself, but just pulling out a couple of verses, Matthew 24, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, speaking of himself, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In other words, I'm not going to get into it, but those who are not ready for Jesus, they're going to mourn. It's going to be a sad day. In verse 31, And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other, or in other words, another translation might say, from one end of the heavens to uh, all the ends of the earth. In other words, just to put it simply, it's going to be a good day for those who are ready for him. And so, uh, after considering the fact that Jesus is a trustworthy, competent, incredible person, and the fact that he did say he was coming again, I've come to the rational, logical conclusion to put my faith in Jesus and what he said and in the fact that he is coming again. And so, okay, you might be thinking, okay, okay, maybe I'm with you. Maybe I'm tracking with you so far. Well, the next question you might have is, why so long? Why is he taking so long? It's been about 2,000 years since he said he was going to come back. Why so long? Well, there's a, there's a person in uh, Scripture who walked very closely with Jesus. As many of you will know, Jesus, he had many followers, and among his followers, when he walked on the planet, he had a core group of disciples. And even within the group of disciples, he had an inner group of very close disciples. And one of those uh, disciples who were in the inner circle, so to speak, his name was Peter. Peter was there. He was an eyewitness. He was right beside Jesus when Jesus rose people from the dead. He saw it with his own eyes. Peter was actually there when he saw Jesus walk on water, and actually Peter got out of the boat and tried to walk on the water as well, and he was doing it successfully for a little bit until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Uh, Peter was there when Jesus gave sight to the blind. But he was also there to see Jesus cry. He was also there, I'm sure, when, in moments where Jesus laughed and when he enjoyed the company of sinners. And so if, if anyone on this planet... Uh, uh, is going to know the heart of God about the matter of his return and why he's taking so long, I think Peter, of all people, would have an answer. And in fact, he does have an answer. There's a letter um, in the New Testament written by Peter himself. We have his words in Scripture. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He, and in this passage, again, you can read this whole chapter for yourself, but within this passage, as he's talking about the return of the Lord, uh, the day of the Lord, he says this, In other words, we're asking the question, why is it taking him so long? Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Very fascinating. The reason why God appears to be taking his sweet time is is actually because he loves you. He loves me. And, and, And the fact is, he wants to be patient, to give people as much time as possible to come to repentance to him, so that when he does come, we'll be ready for him and it'll be a good thing. 
how else can I illustrate this? I was thinking about this, and um, you know, I was reflecting on life. I was reflecting on how, why it's taken God such a long time to come back, and I was reflecting on God's patience. And I, and I thought of it this way. You know, I'm a father of four children, and um, I love them very much. And, you know, there is something that happens physically inside my heart when I see them fighting with each other. I actually sometimes physically feel an ache in my heart when my kids are at odds with one another. They're wonderful kids, but they're not perfect. Um, it happens sometimes. And then I thought to myself, you know what? We are, all the people who have ever lived on this planet are people who are made in the image of God, whom God loves dearly. And over the years, we, we hear and we, we, we hear of, of wars that take place, where people are killing each other, where people are abusing each other, where people are enslaving each other. And every time any one of those things happen, I believe that the heart of God is, is probably physically aching, just, just in pain for what he's seeing humans do to each other. Every time he sees someone exploited, someone who is sexually trafficked, a minor that's sex, sexually trafficked, someone that's killed, someone's, someone that is abused, someone who is ripping off another person, someone who's stealing from another person, every time someone cuts you off in traffic and you give them the finger, all those things throughout history are aching the heart of God. And so in a sense, um, it's, it's almost like God is allowing that pain to happen to himself because he's being patient. He's saying, I'm just going to hold on a little longer in the hopes that someone will repent. Uh, let me say it differently. You know, uh, I recently watched a, a video of someone who claimed to have a dream from the Lord. And it, it, she, she felt that in this dream, the Lord was trying to tell her that he was coming soon. But before she even got to that point, she was walking through what seemed to be a room or a field or something. And as she was walking through this room, through this field, the, 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 the whole air was just filled with rain, just downpouring buckets of rain. And in the distance, she saw Jesus sitting on a rock, and she saw that he was sad, and he was looking down. And I don't, know, I don't know exactly what was said, but she said that Jesus turned to her and said something along the lines that these, these, this rain represents the tears, the, the, the tears that I have for those who are not going to be ready for me when I return. And right now he's experiencing sorrow at what is to come for those who are not ready for Jesus when he returns. Let me say it a different way. You know, I was reflecting on one of the most popular stories in Scripture, uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son, or what others might refer to as the parable of the lost son, where Jesus tells a story of a father. He's got two sons. And uh, one of the sons, he decides to just just go up, just go crazy. And so <laughs> he, he tells us, he asks his father for an early inheritance, the audacity to even ask that, but he asks it, his father grants it, he takes off, and he just blows all the money, and he just wastes his life away, and he's just a big wreck. He's a mess. And he's debating whether to go back to the father or not. And um, he decides, you know what, my life is a mess. I have no future. I have no hope. If I can just go back and be at the, just at the bottom of the totem pole, even if, he, even if he doesn't notice me, man, I'll, I'll have it better than if I just carry on doing life as I am now. And see, so he goes back, and he's, he's probably expecting the father to, to beat him over the head or something or, or whatever. And Jesus is tearing, sharing this story, and he says this. Uh, the, the, this. The story is found in Luke 15, verse 20. Notice the response of the father. So the son got up, and he went to the father. What's his response? 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. You know what? In the same way, our heavenly father is aching. He's crying over you. He's crying over, over me. He is desperately waiting. He is patient, patiently waiting so that more people can come to faith in him before he returns and it's too late. And you know, I want to I end where I started today. Um, you know, I, at the very beginning of my message, I talked about, you know, maybe there's some people out there who feel like the kid who is waiting for their father to come for them. They're standing in the rain and they feel abandoned. And they kind of wonder, where, where has God been in all the mess of their life and maybe all the struggles in their life and the suffering of their life? And maybe you're disappointed with God. But I want to challenge you. Maybe there's a different perspective here. Maybe the reason you're standing on the rain, out, out in the rain looking for God is because, it's not because necessarily you should be waiting for him to come to you, but maybe you're standing out in the rain because you've ran away from God. And maybe the, the, the rain... Uh, uh, doesn't uh, represent rain. Maybe it represents the fact that God is crying over you. He's eagerly waiting for you to come back to him. I, I picture the father, I picture the father uh, on, on the edge of his porch with binoculars, uh, and he's got his angels and his servants, uh, and, and, and he's, t- he's told his angels and his servants, listen, if, if so-and-so is going to come back to faith, let me know. I, I want to be the first to know. And of course, God would be the first to know. He's God. But he's eagerly waiting for as many people as possible to come to him in repentance before he returns. Why? Because he's such a loving, good, and patient God more than we will ever know. And so, the question we've been asking today is, is Jesus, is Jesus coming back? He is. But you know what I think the real question of the day is today? The question is, is not, is Jesus coming back? But the real question I want to leave you with today is, are you coming back? Are you coming back to the Father? Are you going to be ready for him if he were to return? Today, next week, next month? I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much time we have left, but I get the sense we don't really have a lot of time left. And so it's so urgent for you to decide today whether you're going to come back to the Father or not. You might be wondering, what do I got to do to get, get right with God? What, what, what do I got to do to make sure I'm ready for him? Well, there's a lot of things we can talk about perhaps in future weeks, but for today, the important thing is this, that you come to God and and you just tell him, I recognize I've sinned, I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And number two, I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again. And number three, that I want to commit my life to you. I want to honor you and follow you with my entire being. And you know, before I close, I also want to say this. I don't, I don't have this on my notes, but I kind of feel like the Lord wants me to say this, um, as I was, you know, reflecting on this, this this morning. You know, as I as I talk to a lot of people, and especially I had a few conversations this past week with some buddies that have been hurt in the past. You know, a lot of people don't have a problem with Jesus. Sometimes it's it's the Christians they have a problem with. And um, I'm getting emotional here, but that's okay. I, I, for what it's worth, I want to say this. Listen, if, if I personally have ever been a stumbling block in anyone coming to faith in Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. The reality is that the church, uh, the Christians are often known to be uh, self-righteous, judgmental hypocrites. 
me being one of them. And I'm so sorry if I've ever gotten in the way of, of you coming to faith in Jesus. And for what it's worth, listen, I, I'm not a big deal in the church at all. I'm, I'm very insignificant. I don't represent the official church. But as a representative of Christ, I just want to say this to you as well. Man, I'm so sorry if you've had Christians in your life who just rubbed you the wrong way and, la- and just gave you a bad um, picture of Jesus and became a stumbling block for you to come to faith in Jesus. And for what it's worth, I'm so sorry. Please don't let our reputation and, 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 our, and our imperfections stop you from coming to faith in Jesus. And so if you want to come to faith in Jesus, man, we will be over the moon. If you have any questions, uh, please let us know. Please contact us. I'm sure there might be a link or an email somewhere on this screen somewhere at some point <laughs> where you can do that. Uh, and I just want to close by saying this. May the Lord bless you. May he bless you. May he bless you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. If you're in a season where you're experiencing discouragement, may God encourage you. May he give you joy. May you sense his presence in your life. May you come to know the love and the patience that God has for each and every person out there, including myself. I'm so thankful for his presence in my life. Amen.